You're getting me with no hat and I'm, my beard's growing back. I shave it off once a year. So I'm like, I, I hate how I get this chinage thing going on. So whenever I don't, I don't have to make any like public appearances till like another two weeks. So I figured, okay, I got to shave it off once a year. And then now it's like, oh, great. I'm on blab all the time. It's like, so. well, what you did is just recorded the intro to this episode. Podcast Junkies, episode 61. In case you missed the show last week, I got to speak to my buddy, Motion Melvin, a.k.a. Mo, host of The Mo Show. And I think if you did listen to it, I'm sure you had an opinion about his show one way or the other. And I always tell people you should definitely have an opinion. Otherwise, um, you're being too vanilla in your podcasts. And so um, I just really like that he educated me on some of the history of uh, comedy on the radio. And it was really a fascinating conversation. If you hadn't, if you have not checked that out, then go ahead and do so. Um, Episode number 60. If you're new to the show, this is what I like to call the podcaster's voice. This is the place where we get to speak to fantastic and engaging and fun and entertaining and all around cool podcasters hosts of some of the f- your favorite and my favorite shows out there and people that I've come across through my various trips to conferences, uh, forays into new technologies such as Blab and Periscope and Google Hangouts and just trying to make myself um, known far and wide and meet people far and wide uh, as I can because I think I constantly have to get out of my own comfort zone in order to find out what other people are doing in the space and who are other interesting people that I should be talking to. And one of those people is Jason Bryant. He is founder of the website Matt Talk Online, which is a collection of podcasts all around uh, wrestling. Most of them are wrestling and actually a majority of them are ones that he hosts himself. His show is uh, the Short Time Wrestling Podcast. And so Jason has been doing this for the better part of his life. I mean, wrestling is in his blood, broadcasting and being on the radio is in his blood. And you'll understand very quickly as you hear him talk through his history um, and his passions, how it's it's just so clear that he was made to do this. This, this is something that he was being groomed for, I think, before he even knew he was being groomed for it. And he's got such an energy level, and the the time went by so quickly because um, he's just very engaging person, um, very easy to talk to. And he and I both love talking about podcasting, about um, what we're doing to make our shows grow, and how each one of us brings our own passions, you know, him with his love and interest in broadcasting and wrestling into the show and, and all the different ways that he's looked at building his show. And of course, how he's been able to now monetize it and position himself as an expert and as a speaker. Um, and as someone who can produce other shows, high quality shows for that matter. So 
It's really fascinating what he's doing. And, and I, I see this as a follow-up to the conversation he had with uh, Dave Jackson on, on the School of Podcasting. So I, I definitely encourage you to check that episode out and then uh, use this as a companion uh, show. And you'll, I think after listening to both of them, you'll, you'll get a nice all-around well-painted picture of who my buddy Jason is. So enjoy our conversation. Thank you, Jason Bryant, for being on Podcast Junkies. It's my pleasure. I've been listening for a while. I'm uh, I'm stoked to be here. <laughs> why Why are you stoked to be on Podcast Junkies? Because I love Podcast Junkies, and uh, I am your your target avatar. I am a podcast junkie. I'm curious. When did you find the show? Uh, actually, I was thinking about that before we started. I was like, man, when did I? Because I remember seeing you sit down at NMX and I actually saw it on the board that you had signed up in Podcast Alley for a show. And I'm like, hey, I listened to that show. And, you know, because I remember I briefly spoke to you about the, the the music that was in the intro, which was very atypical, I thought, for, you know, podcast shows. And I'm sitting there and I went back. I was like, well, what was my, you know, before we started, I was like, what was the first show? And it was probably the Daniel J. Lewis show. So it was definitely back in 2014 because uh, when I was jumping in, I was consuming everything I could from like Daniel Ray and uh, and uh, Dave Jackson. So I was like finding it. It was like, oh, here's Daniel on another show. And some of the stuff was was kind of the same but then there's always one thing that podcast junkies brings is you're asking stuff that's not always in the podcast about podcasting space uh, so uh you know harry duran i i like i like your tempo and i like your cadence so uh yeah so it's probably been since i believe that date was june of 2014 i've been listening so prior to that obviously uh i imagine you had a ton of podcasts on your on your smartphone of choice uh, and, and things that you were listening to on a regular basis. And what were some of those shows? Uh, I, you know, some of them are the usual suspects. Uh, the first one I actually discovered when I really decided said, I, I want to, I started listening to podcasts more. So now that I started doing them, it was initially, it was like, uh, I did a show back in like 2008, but I really didn't listen to any podcasts back then, but I was on a drive, uh, about an eight hour drive to Topeka, Kansas for the NAI national wrestling championships. And I started listening and I was listening to a lot of Daniel stuff because what I had found, I'd started editing with audacity and that's how I kind of stumbled upon his show is I guess it was early 2014 and I start listening and I was, I was basically binge listening to some of his episodes. And then I, I, from that I discovered he was, he pitched the podcasters roundtable. So there I am driving through like Southern Minnesota, Northern Iowa, like, you know, illegally probably down, look, searching stuff on my phone and, you know, I was like, oh, what's this podcaster's roundtable? And then I listened to that episode. And I think I was in a drive through in like somewhere in, in Missouri when I you know, it's like, oh, OK, let me find this. OK, I heard Dave Jackson and Ray Ortega on that. And I was like, OK, let me download those guys. And then I started listening to those three uh, pretty consistently because I was a little bit into the tech. I had some equipment and that's definitely Ray's wheelhouse there. So I started listening to those shows. And of course, those shows lead to their guests, which lead to those shows, which lead to those shows. So it's 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 kind of snowballed. So I think I've listened to pretty much every podcast about podcasting in the last two years. But obviously, there's there's some that that are definitely worth listening to more than others, and some that listen to like thirty seconds. Uh uh-uh, uh, nope. Swipe. Uh, what is it? Uh, I don't know. I don't do the Tinder thing since I'm married. So was it swipe left, swipe right, whatever gets whatever deleted it, I unsubscribe. But uh, you know, it's th- those are pretty much where I started, and then now it's evolved to like Overcast. I'll look at my phone here. Let's see. At last count, I was like subscribed to like, I think it's close to a hundred podcasts and they're varied. A lot, a lot of podcasts about podcasting, a lot of, 
basically everybody that I've kind of met through New Media Expo and, and then uh, Podcast Midwest. I didn't get a chance to go to Podcast Movement. That will change in 2016. That will change. I hope so. So I've, I've listened to things. You know, obviously there's the serials and then the season and things like that. But uh, for, for the most part, it started out with podcasts about podcasting that kind of opened up uh, my eyes to more podcasts uh, other than what I was kind of just focused into. So it's interesting. You, you mentioned Tinder. I think that's it's somewhat what Clamor is trying to do because you get the audio snippets and you get to listen really quickly. But those are sort of force fed to you. But it would be interesting if there was an app where you could just listen and see the artwork and sort of get a you know you it's almost like a, a you get a chance to do your elevator pitch right and, and swell was kind of doing yeah. that i actually got my show on swell before they got bought out and it was like the their discovery was trying to like you know some weird i don't know what what does what does pantera uh pantera pandora call it like the music genome project yeah. i don't know if there were some weird algorithm on how they were finding it all you know i was listening to my show and it's like what does it suggest after that so swell kind of had that for a little bit but uh sadly that went away i kind of like their platform you know, it's interesting because I uh, I grew up, you may have heard, um, as a DJ, and one of the, the, the skills you get is when I used to, this is dating myself, but I used to go back into record stores, and there was a ton of vinyl, right? And I just I figured, okay, which of the tracks I'm going to buy that I'm going to play out? And so I would grab 30, 40 vinyl and head on over to the turntable, and I'd put the needle on like three or four spots on the record. And I'm like, okay, no, I don't like it. I don't like it. And I just, over time, would have this discerning ear, and it sounds like, You've developed something similar when it came to figuring out with your, your time being so precious. You know, what is it about this podcast that catches your ear in those first thirty seconds? Yeah, sometimes it's you know, obviously when we just skip through the if if it's an ad in the first thirty seconds, you're obviously going to skip it and give them at least maybe the first two minutes or something. But I don't know. A lot of it, I think, like with uh, like with Dave Jackson, for example, I just find him to be supremely personal, uh, personable rather, and he's just. Just, you know, it sounds like he's, he's a guy you could sit down at a bar and talk to. And, and this is true because I've sat down at a bar and talked to him. So, you know, he's the same guy uh, off the microphone that he is, uh, you know, at an event or, or in his real life. So that's the one thing that I, I find a connection. Jen Briney is kind of the same way. Met her at New Media Expo. And I have no interest in politics. Zero. None. Hate it. Don't talk about politics. Don't care. Uh, basically it's like, you know, that episode of South Park. Yep. Don't care. Don't care. Don't care. Don't care. But Jen, I've learned stuff about congress and stuff from her show and you know meeting her and you know like i, I joke with Corey Finneran and nick serberling uh, as far as their shows because they're the podcast group therapy a uh, group that we do uh f- fairly frequently uh, the cubs have to lose i think for for Corey to uh to jump back in and starting those shows back up again and of course the bengals are like undefeated right now so they're they're in hog heaven but uh, you know meeting those i'm not a cubs fan i'm not a bengals fan but i listen to their shows at least to a point i don't i don't you know, massively consume them because I'm not a Bengals or a Cubs fan. But I've found that when you get into this community and you you meet people, you start enjoying their content because you know what you you, you know what they're going through. Uh, you know that they're putting out a show. They've got the same hurdles you do. So it's a little bit of like a it's a self help group. It's almost like like their group name. You know, podcasters group therapy. That's essentially what it is. So and through that, um, I, I've met some other people. I think. Um, one woman, Emily, I, I, her last name escapes me right now, does classy little podcast. That show is hilarious. I mean, I don't have any interest really in wine and cheese other than when my wife wants to go out and we'll get a bottle of wine or something. I just, I'm not a wine snob, but it's just like, it, there's certain things I've discovered by meeting people that, that make a show enjoyable. But as far as that discerning ear, I'm getting back to your initial, initial questions. Sometimes it's the intro song. I was like, oh yeah, I like that. 
you know, Dave Jackson has he's got a music background. I like hearing the hard rock, you know, and that that's kind of what I listen to. And then, you know, just hearing knowledge. If I can hear somebody and it's just if their voice isn't necessarily like always the, the greatest, maybe for, you know, there's a radio voice and then there's a podcast voice, there's a TV voice. And then sometimes when I'm on television, I'll make a voice like that. It, you know, it's it's not fake. You hear their real voices like Daniel's experience just comes out. I mean, he's he's got that real direct tone and he's he really makes it conversational. So when I when I hear things like that, it just makes me want to listen. So uh, obviously and then the 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 one point five and the two X speeds kinda kinda change that a little bit. But some there's still some shows I will not speed up because I want to hear how they do it. Yeah, you almost have to give uh props to the effort and I do this with the storytelling ones. I listen to them at like one X speed, but you know, like I've mentioned before, if it's comedy or if it's just something that I, I I can listen to while I'm doing the dishes or I'm walking the dog I don't have to like it's not rocket science and I, I don't mind blasting through it because otherwise there's no way I'm going to get through um, the ton of shows I have on and, and that I want to listen to I like and like you said I'm attracted to the personalities and now I listen because I feel like I've met these people in real life and they're my friends and I want to see what's going on with their show and and you just become more and more discerning because you're going to have to swipe off some of the stuff that's at the bottom of the list that you you realize at some point you'll never get to. <laughs> well, it's sometimes too. It's like if there's people that I, uh, you know, people that I know that they have a guest that it's like, oh, I'm not really not interested in the podcast about podcasting shows. Not quite like that. But if there's an, uh, you know, I subscribe to entrepreneur on fire, for example, I don't listen to every show. I don't, a matter of fact, I've listened to maybe one of his last 100 because there was a guest that I was interested in. I think it was a real Brian. But, you know, it's like, you know, so I, I keep an eye on that show. It's not something I, I routinely listen to. So I'm looking at shows like that for guests, too. It's like, okay, I want to hear what this guy's got to say. You know, Tim Ferriss is good like that. Yeah. Uh, I don't listen to Tim Ferriss religiously. I, he's got a guest. I'm trying to get him on my show, which is another another name drop. I'm right there. Tim, if you're listening, <laughs> hey, Short Time Wrestling Podcast, I'm trying to get you on because he was a wrestler. So, you know, I, you know, there's those those contacts right there that I'm trying to – I want to listen to the certain guests that, uh, you know, the Glenn, the geek guy has become, uh, he was on Dave, Dave Jackson show. And it was like, man, I want to hear more from this guy. And, you know, anytime Daniel's a guest, I want to hear what he's got to say. Cause he'll always bring something different to the table. Same with, same with Dave Jackson. Yeah. I think for us in the space that have podcasts and, and growing other shows, we want to understand where, where can we listen to, to find out what's going on in the industry. And a lot of times we cover it at certain, we hear it covered at certain times because it's hot, like something like Blab, but people like Daniel and people like Dave keep us on our toes with with what the latest and the greatest is, and, and they're always testing things too. So they're help they're helping us learn because we're sort of going along with what they're doing and their process, and maybe some of the mistakes they make. So we can anything we can do, I think, to make our shows better and tweak along the way, and and that's why I listen to the the new media show as well to find out what's going on in the industry. So it's I think all those podcasts that you mentioned round it out for us and keep keep us on top. And help us stay on top of our game. Otherwise, if we had to do it ourselves, I don't. I would personally wouldn't have enough time in the day. Well, those shows there's there's a lot of bad information. I mean, I'm I'm actually uh, talking with a buddy of mine who just started a show called Wrestling with Greatness, where he interviews entrepreneurs that have wrestling backgrounds of what they did about their success. So that's like super niche and a super niche kind of like me. And I've actually known this guy for a while, and we were just actually trading emails. Is like you know, what, what, what type of stuff do I do here? It's like, well, there's, there's bad information. You know, there's these guys sifted out. I was actually at a twin cities podcasters meetup on, uh, on Saturday, the first one I'd attended, I think they've done four. And at the table, I was the only one with an active podcast. There were six of us. It was a small group. And uh, one person there had already had had a couple and looking to start another. And 
one guy asked me, he's like, well, what are your top five tips? And I'm sitting there going, these are the things I've learned from Daniel Day and, uh, and Daniel, Dave and Ray Day, <laughs> Daniel, Ray and Dave, the, 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 the tripods as I like to call them. So I learned from them. It's like, listen to them, but here's what I learned from them. It's like, you know, first one was like no feed burner. That was like the first thing I told him because I remember looking at that years ago going, what the heck do I do with this? So, uh, but yeah, that, those are those things. And these guys really, they just cut through all the BS and, and really, you know, there's an, a lot of resources and you'll find that the, the, the better shows about this, this industry that is podcasting, they're all going to probably share the same idea. They may not all implement them. It's like, uh, you know, you, you, your scheduling options is Calendly. And I looked at it and I started tweaking with it. I'm like, you know, it, it doesn't work for me, but it doesn't mean it doesn't work for everybody else. So, but when there's things that don't work, stay away. <laughs> Yeah, just accept the fact that every that's why there's so many different flavors like for, for scheduling tools, for podcast for podcast hosts, for podcast microphones because what works for one one person's voice and one person's way of method of working and process flow is that if you try to like say take exactly what I do and replicate it it's it's not going to work cuz we're just all different people and and we like different things and and all those things can succeed yeah, all those things can can work and all those things can succeed for your podcast and just find what fits for you. Trial and error. Oh, trial and error was, is basically my mantra. I mean, it's like writing my, I mean, I had a WordPress page and I was still writing my own XML code. Why? I mean, this was what, it wasn't even with my first podcast. It was with my second one when I was at USA wrestling. And it was like, you know, I had a WordPress page and I was like, well, wait a minute. I was hand coding the embed. I was trying to find a good, like the Google player and trying to, you know, it was so bad. If I'd have discovered those guys before I started that that show in 2010, I would have been like so much far, so much further ahead of the game when I tried to officially kind of make this my thing in 2013. So, yeah, they save a lot of headaches. What was the what was the the very first podcast that you put online? It was called Wrestling 411, and it was um, I didn't know it was a podcast at the time either. I've kind of told the story a little a, a couple times, but. Um, the story is, as I was working for the national wrestling coaches association, running their media website in, uh, in, in Mannheim, Pennsylvania, which is just outside of Lancaster in Amish country. And I had had an opportunity to move out to Minnesota. Uh, the coach here at the university of Minnesota is a guy named Jay Robinson, always kind of thinking outside the box. Well, this is in 2008 and they wanted to start a television show about college wrestling, kind of make it a sports center of college wrestling, but it wasn't just TV. They wanted to do online. They wanted to do radio. They wanted to do television. They wanted to, to stream. Uh, the radio thing live. So um, a friend of mine that I'd worked with, uh, they brought both of us up to Minnesota and basically they said, okay, figure it out. And I'm like, okay, well, we need to be on a radio station. What do we find? So we called up some of the, the lower, we weren't going to get on a, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to have the money to pay for the airtime for some of these major ones. So we sought out some of the, they looked at the AM stations and it was like, ah, they're, they're not getting anything there. So then I was like, well, I worked in college radio for, for six years. Let's, let's see what the colleges have. And a couple of them, uh, you know, obviously their email addresses were, you know, the college radio websites, even to this day, aren't really super organized. But uh, Augsburg College, uh, they were receptive. They're like, yeah, we got time because they were kind of a student run thing. It wasn't really regimented by the faculty. So uh, we paid them and, uh, you know, a small monthly fee. It was like really nothing when you look at like an, it was worth probably 15 second ad buy for an entire like for one episode. how much it ended up costing us. And we're in there and they've got the phone line so we can get callers. And then I was like, well, how do you stream it? And I looked and there's, yeah, there's this program. It was called NiceCast. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. And then we realized after a couple months that uh, the technology, but I'm getting off track. So the first show, we're at, at KOG 
at Augsburg College, which is about 12 minutes. It's uh, it's a suburban. It's not. It's an it's an urban school. It a, it's like right across the river from the University of Minnesota. It's got a great wrestling tradition, so it, it made sense that we were at Augsburg. Real small small school. It, it's just it's it's a really cool little school. And we did the studio uh, the studio show there. We did it live, and Nicecast like blew up on itself. I mean, it, I think at the time you could you could kind of move the sliding scale to to lower the quality to increase the number of listeners. I think it was maxed out at fifty. And I remember seeing that that icon, and it told you how many people were listening live. And it was like 50, 49, 50, 50. And it's like people are like sending me uh, text messages and emails, like I can't listen because. And then we had a uh, a call from Tom Brands, the Iowa head coach, and it was like the soundboard. He's like, Jason Bryan, I can't hear you, so I basically have to talk, hit the board, cut off my mics, wait for his response, hit the board to talk again. Hit, uh, you know, it was. And then we had cameras in here. We had two cameras, one recording Kyle, one recording me. And then we would put that archive video online. So the first one was a show. It was November. Uh, I've actually, I'm actually re- putting the old archives back up on the web. Uh, I want to say November 11th, 2008 was the first one we put online. And we didn't know it was a podcast until like weeks later because I'm looking at the site and I didn't know anything really about WordPress at the time. And I see that iTunes logo. I'm like, wait a minute, iTunes, this is a podcast. So that was the first one. And uh, the audio quality was atrocious. It was so bad. And we were using a radio studio. I mean, and we had the the phone line punched in. We had a CD player playing our music. I mean, it was like, yeah, well, that was the first one. What was it about the audio that, that made it sound so bad? Uh, it was, it was an old phone line system from a college radio station. When would you think the last time that thing was serviced? 1976. <laughs> it, it was cool. Cause it did have the phone flasher. Yeah. So, you know, the light in the radio station, it flashes. I mean, those of you in radio knows exactly what that is. And, yeah, that was tough. So I mentioned that I heard your interview with uh, Dave Jackson on the School of Podcasting, and I'll, I'll invite uh, folks to to check that out because I think what what you provided there was a complete breakdown of all the pod, you know, how the podcast got started, um, and covered some of the technology and the challenges and the inspiration and, and who you're from there. So don't want to rehash that too much. And I want to invite folks to check that out as well, because I think, you know, they can complement each other. And so the school of podcasting. I love that intro. You know, what's so funny about, about that is every, my wife, my wife thinks it's terrible. She's like, that is so bad. I'm like, what are you talking about? That's great. When you listen, Sorry. when you listen to enough shows, and you listen to enough episodes of of shows, all that stuff. Like I could sing a, the the intros to a couple of my favorite podcasts, like Profitcast. Right? <laughs> He's like, "Let's rock it!" And it's like, "There's like everyone's got these taglines." So tired of being lied to, like you know, a Jen show. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, and Jen Briney's awesome. Shout out to Jen Briney. But we 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 connect with the personalities, and I think that's. At the, at the at the end of the day, like no matter what the content is, like what you alluded to, we connected the personalities. So you jumped into your first, first podcast, and I'm a, and what? But where did you get the inspiration to actually forget about podcasting, just get behind the mic or talk about this topic, um, uh, and realize that this is something that you maybe wanted to grow into a career? Because there's, there's a tons of folks that take up wrestling right and then when they're done with wrestling they just it's something that they did in high school they did in college and then they forget about it and it's never a part of their life but that's obviously not the case with you yeah you know it's funny you talk about that because we have a real problem in our sport with retention and i'm i'm 
I actually had one guy discover, he's like, yeah, I used to wrestle back in the day, and I found you. I was just searching wrestling on iTunes randomly, and I found your show. And I'm like, okay, iTunes search does work. But, yeah, I mean, we have a problem with, like, engaging, the, you know, the people that are in the sport that, that get out that aren't going to be high school wrestling coaches, that aren't going to be youth coaches. I mean, usually the way you're into it, there's, there's, you're connected to it somehow. Um, it, I'm unique in the fact that I'm the only one in my family that ever wrestled. I didn't start wrestling until I was a junior in high school. I uh, never even saw a wrestling match until I was a sophomore in high school. So uh, the the desire to get behind a microphone has always been there. Uh, in fifth grade, I, I wanted I would I would miss the bus watching Sports Center. I was I wanted to be a sports broadcaster. Always have uh, that that's that was been my career goal. So uh, you know I would sit there and I would go to like the semi pro football games that were played at like you know the high school field with I mean these are basically weekend warrior type guys and I would go and. I would write handwrite stories about the game and you know, that's in like, you know, middle school, I'm doing that. And then when I got into high school, uh, my high school baseball coach, a guy named George Yeager, he was, uh, he was, he knew I was into broadcasting. He knew I wanted to, to do this. And he had a, a friend he went to high school with named Greg Martin, who was a, a local DJ. He actually sat in and did, you know, would do uh, fill in segments for people. Like if somebody had to miss, he would, he would go in and sit in and he, he he'd worked in radio for 20 something years. So, uh, he really taught me how to work a microphone my freshman year in high school with with PA announcing at high school baseball games. And that was just kind of my wheelhouse. I mean, I've, I've been comfortable on a microphone uh, ever since. I mean, I, public speaking is a little bit of a different story, but like, you know, you put me in a microphone in front of 10,000 people, I got no problem. Granted, I get the, I get the butterflies, you know, I get nervous every time, but that, that's really where getting behind the microphone was harnessed. And, you know, obviously with the interest in, in journalism and broadcasting, you know, I, I, worked at the school paper. I, I was on the yearbook staff. I worked at a daily newspaper. I mean, I was as a senior in high school, I was working at a, a really large daily newspaper, not more than just, you know, you know, just del- I wasn't delivering papers. I was taking the calls. I was, I was writing little, you know, paragraph blurbs and stuff. And then eventually I started getting bylines in the paper and, you know, I was writing pretty regularly and then staying with the college situation. So I'd always wanted to be in sports broadcasting and the, the wrestling thing kind of got in the way when I, I really fell in love with the sport in high school and then took that to college and I created a website. My first website was Matt talk online and it's, I've rebranded it and brought it back. You know, I launched that October 25th, 1997. I actually always have the date launch date out of my dorm Whitehurst hall at old dominion university. And uh, I remember that day and I remember walking around to my, 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 uh, my suite mates going, dude, I got 10 hits today. Like thinking it was the greatest thing. So uh, being able to, to be behind a microphone. That's something I've always wanted to do. I've done television, I've done radio, but it's, that's something I've just, it's what I want to do. And then wrestling, uh, I've worked in several different manners of it with broadcasting and writing and, and online stuff, social media, marketing. And it's just a sport that, you know, there's, there's this, this theory, every, this people ever says, you know, you're, you're a big fish in a small pond. I, you know what? I'm fine with that. I am absolutely fine with that because I think I can, I can make an impact to a higher concentration of people doing what I do that share the same passion as I do that, that want to know the information. And that's kind of what, what really sparked is like, you know, Hey, you know, wrestling 411 was a gut check because I was a cocky egotistical 29 year old when I took over that. And I'm like, yeah, people love me. I'm, I'm, I'm this, I'm, I'm, I've won awards. I'm the best. And when that project tanked, it was like, well, maybe nobody gives a crap about what I actually say. <laughs> so um, eventually I think they do, but it was just a, it was a hard lesson in humility back then when that project failed. And I thought it was because, uh, well, you know, we weren't raising a whole lot of money because, you know, that was another 
issue entirely. But uh, yeah, I mean, I just to, to I've just I love the people in the sport of wrestling. It's very 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 similar to podcasters because I felt I, I told this to Nick and Corey when I was at NMX. You know, we're talking probably second third day. I was like, man, I felt like I've known you guys my entire life, and I had that. I felt like I had that same instant rapport with the people I met there that, you know, with the wrestling community, there are people that I see once a year at tournaments and we pick right up where we left off. So, uh, there's a lot of things between the podcasting community and the wrestling community, super niche, super engaged, super, almost, almost, almost zealots, if you will, uh, about what we do. So, um, you know, being able to speak to that audience, I don't need that. that, that that's the inspiration I need. Cause I know people do listen. People actually, uh, do respect what I say, but the passion again, for being behind a microphone that started, that started when I was like nine, 10 years old, calling in the local sports radio station, you know, Jason from Bacosa. And I'm like 10 years old calling in to Tony Mercurio. What's fascinating as you tell that story, there's a couple of things I want to touch upon your recollection, recollection, recollection of, um, dates and names is uncanny. I don't know how I, it's weird. Cause I've always said like, I can remember stats from a high school baseball game. I was at my freshman year. I remember I could, I'll throw this out right now. Chris Riley, my senior year threw a no hitter against Grafton on the second game of the year, but he plunked the first batter, walked the next two, plunked the fourth one, walked in a run and then no hit the guys the rest of the game. So it's like something like that. I mean, I remember stuff like that. It's, 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 it's not a gift. It's sometimes a curse. Was that something that, helped you or did you have that when you were uh, in school like for, for dude i was a super nerd man <laughs> i mean I, my, oh you know what's funny is there was a guy who was on jeopardy a couple years ago who i went to high school with and we would sit our freshman year in high school we'd, we'd we like sit in a cafeteria and have one of those big thick uh, sports almanacs that you'd go through and we would like quiz each other on the division one college mascots and it's like you know you know coastal carolina chanticleers valparaiso crusaders you know it's like you know, Western Illinois, you know, Leathernecks, you know, things like that. You know, we're, we're, we would do that. And I would always remember stupid facts. I knew all the state capitals in the second grade. Uh, you know, I just had a weird memory about some things. It's not like a super great one now. Um, I think some of the things I did in college might have altered <laughs> that a little bit. But there's still situations where I'll even joke if I'm, if I'm out at a bar with some friends and be like, hey, ask me any D1 college mascot. If I don't get it, I'm too drunk to drive. I mean, I'm, I'm clearly joking. But that's kind of just like one of those things. It's like, yeah, that retention's kind of scary. Was it something that the uh, teachers noticed about you? I, I mean, obviously, everything. It sounds like it's all sports related. That just and they weren't kicking me out yeah. of class because I talked nonstop. I mean, you're obviously seeing that right now. I was kicked out so many times for not shutting up. I wasn't like a disruption by being like a bad kid. I mean, I was the I was the kid with straight A's that was getting kicked out of class. Granted, for the record, I only made straight A's once. So, uh, yeah, so I can actually say that, but yeah, I, I got, I was like the guy was always talking and like, Brian, shut up. <laughs> you know. So they were, they were, they, they, they were frustrated by it, but I would, I mean, the periodic table, I only got about half of that. because that <laughs> But I imagine that if you at some point decided that the, the periodic table was something that was going to be a passion for you and you attacked it with the same fervor that you you've done with wrestling and broadcasting, you know, you would, you would, ha you, you'd probably be. Uh, Star Talk Radio, Neil deGrasse Tyson type level of uh, expertise. Another guy I want on my show. Another former wrestler. Really? Yeah. If, if that was the case, uh, Cadmium would be would be. Uh, yeah, I'd I'd beast down on Cadmium and Einsteinium. Some of those like <laughs> um, not like not not naturally occurring elements. You talked about the wrestling, the, the demise of wrestling four one one, and the lesson that taught you. Why do you think it was important? Um, and 
to have some humility um, and going through that to make you what you are today? Everybody needs a gut check. Everybody needs a reality check. And, and sometimes that takes, uh, you know, some people that, that tell these stories that are, mu- you know, much worse off situations, you know, some people got to hit rock bottom before they can climb back up. Well, I'm not, uh, what I said, what I hit was, was not rock bottom, but it was, it was, it was hard to realize that I was like, okay, um, nobody's going to help me here. And, you know, they've done everything they can and we've done everything we can and it just didn't work. And, you know, that's where you just, okay. You know, if I'd have known what's funny is what I'm doing now is almost exactly what I was doing back then. And we were, you know, the similar format, uh, you know, the, the WordPress installation, it was PodPress versus PowerPress versus Libsyn, whatever. Now, you know, just, you, you need some, yeah, obviously, you know, people talk about, you know, in wrestling, you, you don't, you learn more from a loss than you do a win. Well, in life, you, you can, you can learn more from a failure than you can a success. And, you know, I know what not to do now. Um, so I know, uh, listener trends, I know what not to do in turn. You know, it's basically, it's, it teaches you things about here's how you're not supposed you approach this all wrong. And you, you got to see that from a 20,000 foot view. You know, when you're in the situation, you're going to still think that, no, no, this is going to work. This is going to work. Guess what? It didn't. What are you going to do now? Well, you can try again. And are you going to do the exact same thing the same way, the same time and have it happen again? No, you, you learn from it. So for me, it was, I mean, ultimately I landed on my feet out of that position and believe it or not, the job I took at USA wrestling thereafter, I learned a lot about what I was doing in that job from doing it hands-on first time through at wrestling 411. So when I was approached by the national governing body for a position, and now I'm doing video editing because I had done it trial by fire with Final Cut Pro, and I'd done audio editing, and I was doing live streaming. So everything I learned at 411 actually helped me in my next job. It's just that that wasn't the right place in the right time for what we were trying to do. Who instilled these values in you? Because it's something I think that was inherent in you. And when and when this incident happened, you realized that that was the course of action you had to take. But I imagine someone instilled this in you at, at an early age. I don't know. Um, that's that's kind of tough. I got to say, right around that time when four one one was starting to tank, that's when I met my uh, my my soon to be wife and. Uh, my wife, Abby, was super grounded. She had a master's. She was actually finishing up her master's at the University of Minnesota, had worked for a, a company since it, since she got an internship as a sophomore. So, I mean, my wife is sharp. She's the smartest person I've ever met, uh, which which can kind of, you know, when somebody's smarter than you, it's really tough to argue with them. Uh, so, you know, it was basically she had this real realistic grounded sense of of self and whatnot. But, uh, you know, I grew up in a pretty, pretty, it was not an ideal home type of thing. So, um, the way I kind of coped with issues with alcoholism at home is I was doing all this stuff at school. So my freshman year was just one sport. I started playing football as a sophomore. And then that was the time my, my younger sister, who's about six and a half years younger than me was getting in, was into school and I needed to spend more, less time on the, uh, at football practice and football field. And, and, you know, I had to, keep an eye on her a little bit more. So I found something that could, could fill the gaps and I could still be involved in sports. I, you know, started doing the, uh, the announcing and the stats for the girls basketball team, which in Virginia at that time, the high schools were in the, they played in the fall, the boys were in the winter. And then when we had the winter time, it was volleyball and then boys basketball. And then of course I discovered wrestling. And then in the spring it was, you know, it was baseball. Then soccer came on the board. So I kept myself away from what was a very I don't want to, I mean, it's not a horror story type of home life, but it was not ideal. 
Um, I was in a, a you know, I was a, I was a step kid. So there's some of those things that play into it. And there, you know, uh, there's a lot of mistakes that I'm trying not to make as a father that I, I witnessed myself. So I think some of that comes with not wanting to replicate or get sucked in to what I had come out of. So I don't know if that's, if I was taught by that or if it was just, you know, I was always surrounding myself with people away from home that were good. Like two, two of my best friends that were, that were the best men of my wedding were, they're, they're probably 10, 12 years older than I was. And I was actually a junior counselor in one of their summer day camp programs where they were the counselor. And I was like the 14 year old there kind of volunteering and they kind of, you know, took me under their wing in terms of being, you know, positive male role models. They were good people. They were still friends to this day. They're kicking my butt in my fantasy football league. But uh, for the most part, I just surrounded myself with people that were encouraging and, you know, ultimately believed. I mean, a lot of kids in high school are going to, going to poke fun at the kid that does all the stuff with sports that doesn't play any, any of them. So, uh, you know, when I got on the wrestling team, that kind of quelled some of that, even though I was terrible, but uh, you know, I think just trying to, I always thought that I was going to be on ESPN by the time I was 25. So I kind of tried to push that away. So it's, I don't know where it came from. I just think it was kind of learned from, I mean, there's hundreds of people I could probably think that contributed to me kind of being able to to pull myself out of what could have been a, a very damaging situation. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't make the greatest decisions in college either. I was an undergraduate for seven years and I went on a full, you know, I had a full academic ride. Um, I, I chose Old Dominion over Brown. Yeah, get that. I chose a local school over Brown because I, one, I couldn't afford it, and two, I hated the cold. So I, and I had all those media contacts. I knew all the channel, local newscasters. I, I worked at the newspaper. I didn't want to go somewhere and start over and have it be super more competitive and have no, no advantage. So um, I just, you know, it's one of those things where I made mistakes. I've made a lot of mistakes. And some of them, I, there, was, there was a time in my life I was pretty much an unsavory person at at times, but ultimately what pulled me out was just being, having the right people to like, dude, come on. And I mean, I was not, not, not in a situation where I was ever close to prison or heavy drugs or anything like that, but I was just the right. I've always had a good small group of friends that is like, no matter what I call them up, like, Hey man, let's go hang out. You know, it's, you know, I was, I wasn't like in a, for me, it was a bad place, but I know there's a lot of people that have been a lot worse places. So, uh, it's not like I'm laying in a gutter, you know, with <laughs> a meth den or anything like that. Nothing that extreme, but you know, it's, they're all learning experiences. And I think, uh, just being, you know, I guess two of my best friends, Kurt and Chris Van Dusen are the guys that really helped me help, help keep me from, from going into a rut that, that, uh, so many generations of people never get a chance to get out of. Well, what, there's a common thread because then when I heard your interview with Dave and some of the things you've touched on here is really in over the course of your life the importance of mentors um i don't know if you know you you would even call them father figures and the fact that these 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 friends of yours these best men were that much older than you but i think they've they've provided this 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 rock or this this guiding light for you when you you know otherwise you would have strayed off the path if you didn't have those folks in your life yeah, there's and there's there's people that you know you, you mentioned something like that and there's a guy I worked with at the newspaper. Uh, his name is Jim Hodges. He's a retired uh, retired journalist. He he covered the L.A. Kings for like 15 years. He worked for the L.A. Times, and then he came back to retire. Basically, he took a job, married his high school sweetheart. That's a cool story. And uh, you know he was sitting there, and when I first met him, I hated school. I was like, I didn't want to do this. I was you know 
unhealthy, smoking two packs a day. I was at the bar every night, but I was still working at the newspaper. I cared about wrestling. I cared about my job, but I could give two craps about school. And then, uh, you know, he kind of started putting that bug in my ear. You know, he'd tell me stories about guys that he worked with uh, when they were my age and he would, they would sleep on his couch and now they're so-and-so on ESPN or they're so-and-so that works for the Chicago Tribune or they're so-and-so. So uh, Jim Hodges is a guy that I'll always credit to, to really kind of get me on my professional path. It's like, get, you know, get your ass in the class, man. So, uh, you know, the mentors, yeah, there's that. Um, so, you know, people like that definitely do play a role. So, I mean, I can look at Jim as far as a professional aspect. Uh, the late Warner Hessler was another guy. He was a beat writer for the Washington Redskins for decades at the daily press. And he taught me so much, uh, guys like Joe Reedy, who have been, uh, all over, uh, all over Ohio covering the Bengals, the, the Browns, the Indians. I mean, there's, there's people you meet that are great at their profession, but they're also great at also sharing their mistakes with you and helping and relate them to you. So, you know, I honestly think uh, Jim Hodges, I think from a professional standpoint, really, really turned my life around, even though I quit the paper, uh, in 2004, after I went full time, realizing this is not what I want to do. And you know what? He's, he's told me a story about that too. He says, I quit the, I thought was the best job I ever had. That's interesting, and it it very clearly is going to co- color the way that you approach um, your success going forward, and how you're going to pay it forward. And I think you're going to be inspired with with what every, everyone's done for you. I think it's just going to be natural, and, and and I'm sure you're doing it already in in some capacity. But you're the passing of the torch, right? You're, you're starting to mentor or inspire. I mean, even just with the podcast, I'm sure there's people that have called you and have been inspired what you do and people that you come in contact with. And, and as you raise your children as well as like, there's all aspects of that where you can begin to apply the lessons that you've learned uh, and the gifts that you've been given. Yeah. And, and it was funny. And as I talked about the podcasters meetup and it was, it was, I don't, you know, as much as I talk, as much as I kind of like being the center of attention when, you know, having fun. You know, I always crack the bad jokes and was like, Hey, yeah, I'm always the loud, I, you know, that's just who I am. But, you know, sitting at this meetup and then having the conversation turn kind of towards me and I'm like, I'm the most experienced guy here. Okay. All right. And I handed out my cards. Like anybody needs anything, just let me know. And you know, it's nice to see that little, you know, cause I don't, I didn't have the time to like start a meetup on my own. I was looking for one, but I just, I don't want the responsibility so uh, thankfully they've, they've picked the tab up there, but they're you know, sitting there going, okay, you know, and a lot of the stuff I've learned in podcasting is because I've just been listening to other people and, you know, trial and error best practices. But um, I'm somebody who's always had a hard time at taking compliments. I would immediately deflect or it's like, Hey, JB, great job. And I would always go, yeah, well, I messed this thing up. You know, I, I would always, I didn't know how to do it and I'm still working on that. it's like, Hey, you know, JB, great, great, great show with, with, uh, Stanley Henson, man. That was great. I'm like, now I've, thank you. Just, that's all you need to say. You nod your head. Thank you. Shake the hand. Say, I appreciate it. That has made me a lot less weird around people too. And so, (laughs) uh, but I don't know if I'm a mentor. I mean, I've, you know, I think so many people in podcasting is like, yeah, you know, got a little consulting thing. You know, people want to ask me how to do their show. Sure. And it's funny because I've had. Uh, one, one client who's actually taken me up on like, they're going to do their own show. They're going to do it, but, uh, I need your help. So, uh, let me know where to send a check. And I don't have a rate for that. It's whatever they want to give me. So it's like weird. Cause they're my friends. So, yeah. um, mentor, I mean, I'll, I'll be 90% of the time. I mean, there's even competitors in the field. They've asked like, Hey, what do you do? So, well, here's how you get your stuff in iTunes. Here's how you, 
you know, you've got a lips in the counter. Okay, here's what you do. And those are people that are, uh, I'm kind of competing with for ears in some ways. So I'll help anybody pretty much. Yeah, that, that's, it's, it's a great mindset and something I touched upon with, um, in, on an interview with Jason Kabasi. He's got the Walking Dead podcast, but he reached out to his competitors and they actually ended up doing a show together. And I keep harping on it. And I think you can't say this enough. It's important to have this abundance mindset where there's plenty of, of all of this, this pie to go around for everyone. And I think, you know, you, you were probably helped in the past by folks. And so you find it naturally in, you know, for you to help other folks is something that you just would do without thinking twice. And it's, and it's really, it doesn't take a lot of effort on your part to do it. Well, and there's also the, the, the concept of kill them with kindness, right? There's, there's people that, that, you know, probably don't like you and they ask you for a favor and you still do it. And it's like, you know, cause and you know, it kind of burns them up because you know, they're waiting for you to say no, they're waiting for a confrontation and you don't let it happen. So it's one of those things where, yeah, you know, I, I can, I can be a jerk. I can be arrogant. I can be a, you know, real pain in the ass, but it's like, you know, at the end of the day, I'm probably going to help you. I mean, it's just one of those things, unless you've actually just done something to me terrible, which, you know, I, you know, I, I, I like to forgive for the most part, but I don't run to any of those people. I mean, there's people that don't like me. I get that. That's, that's just part of life. I mean, uh, but I mean, I mean, I'm, I, I stopped going out of my way to please all the people all the time. We hear that all the time. Right. And you know, if there's somebody that unsubscribed to the show, Okay. I get it. You know, I mean, not everybody likes my opinion. Not everybody likes hearing me. If you listen, if you subscribe to like my master feed, you have of the 14 shows on that feed, 12 are with my voice. I, if you can listen to 12 shows with me on them on one, oh my goodness, dude, seriously. I don't know what, I don't know whether to thank you or, or, or commit you to an asylum. It's just, that's a lot of Jason Bryant in your ears, man. <laughs> so let's touch on that a little bit. Um, why do you think as you started to grow and add shows to the network that it just made more sense or, or the preference was to have you as the host? That's kind of my pitch because I've been covering wrestling for 20 years. I've been covering the college and Olympic scene since about 2003. So... I've gone, I go to the Olympics. I go to the world championships. I've, I'm working the NCAA championships since 2002 at division one, division two, II, division three, the NAI, all the college sports fans know what I'm talking about. So I know these people, I know these coaches and the pitch is that, I mean, Hey, let's do a show. I mean, it's me. I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit of a draw for some of these coaches be like, yeah, well, Jason Bryant's going to do our show. And that, you know, some of the fan base knows who I am. Some of them don't because the college fan base is recycle every five, six years when the kids graduate and there's a new crop of fans in. So uh, honestly, it's my, I have built a reputation and sometimes it's good. Sometimes it, I, I'd like to think it's good. Uh, I'm a lot less vocal on Twitter and social media than I used to be. Uh, even though I am my own boss, it's not like I'm going to get fired, but I could lose a client out of it. And I, you know, I'm a little bit more careful a um, little more adult. I mean, I'm 36 now. It's not like I'm, I'm the 25 brash, arrogant, Hey, I'm Intermat. Yeah, look at me. I'm the best. You know, you know, you get over yourself pretty quickly there. So, uh, you know, they they just I think you've developed the rapport with people and they trust you. And that's one thing that I can sell them on is I'm not going to make you look stupid. I'm going to put out a good product and uh, you're, you're going to like what you get. I guarantee it. Oh, wait, that's uh, Men's <laughs> Warehouse. Sorry, George Zimmer. Um, talk a little bit about the network and what the original intent was and, and how it's grown since you started it. What was the original intent? I don't know. Uh, 
I don't know, replace my income really. Um, and that's, I, that's a rule. I've broken a lot of rules of podcasting too. It's like, don't get into podcasting to make money. Well, I didn't initially. And then it just kind of opened the door there. Uh, so the idea, and I've kind of, I'll, I'll give you the, uh, the non Dave Jackson version, but, uh, listening to college XM radio and I'm hearing all these coaches shows. And I had this show called the short time wrestling podcast, which initially started as like a 10 minute thing at the end of each night. I'd go, okay, here are the scores. Let me record 10 minutes and then post it. So people in the morning waking up could get their news like in the shower or on the way to work. And then the season ended. I'm like, okay, there's no news. Let's interview people. All right. And then they started going and people like, well, I like the shorter ones. And I'm like, I really like that interview with David Taylor. And it's like, okay. And then, you know, I'm doing that for, I think it went through several months. I was doing that from the start of that season. I think I went through 13, all 14. Yeah. So yeah, it was probably November through June is when I had done that. I'm the short time show. And then I start listening to this XM radio. I was like, wait a minute, there's all these coaches shows out there for, for football and basketball. I was like, I can do that for wrestling. So I had a couple guinea pigs that first year and then that took off. And then I've got uh, the, the, this one group wants to do it. This, this organization wants to do it. This school wants to do it. And it's like, all right, well, what do I call this? And I was actually struggling with the name when I came up with the concept. I'm like, what do I call this? What do I call this? And I was like, do I wrestling podcast style? I was looking for everything I could and everything was like pro wrestling stuff. And then I came back to it. I was like, you know, I wonder if my old, my old domain, matttalkonline.com got lifted from me years ago. It was a weird situation where my domain and name secure, and there was a transfer that didn't go through and I lost my domain. And the worst part was, is that the bot wiped out any reference of me ever owning it. I'd owned it since 2000 and it had said, or I owned it since 2002 and the bot comes back and says, owned by, it was like some Korean reseller, <laughs> said they, even archive.org was wiped clean. Like, it was like, there was no proof I ever actually had this domain. And it says, owned since 1997. I'm like, what the, you know, you know, so, and then I was like, on a whim, I'm like, let me type it in. Because, you know, sometimes you type in an address wrong. Yeah. And I'll say, this domain may be for sale. It's like, I typed in mattalkonline.com. One of those bland landing pages that kind of looks like what you're looking for. And you scroll down. This domain may be for sale. Click. And it sent me to a GoDaddy page. I'm like, Matt Talk Online is back. I just, I knew right then and there that that was because that was the, the site that I built myself through in wrestling was my high school wrestling website in Virginia called Matt Talk, which was an extension of a radio show. And I didn't go into a whole lot of detail on this about that. But Matt Talk Online was, was, was what I became a name for in Virginia and what people got to know me with nationally. So I went back to my roots. That was you know, a guy from Win Magazine, a wrestling magazine, goes, you need to brand yourself more. And what's more, what was more brandable to me than my own first creation, Matt Talk? That was me. That was what I am. And so when I told people Matt Talk is back, they're like, yes. I'm like, well, it's going to be a little different. And they're like, I, I don't care. It's back. And it's funny because I now have a landing page for all that old archive stuff now. So you can go back and look at the old results from like 1997, 98. They were laid out on Microsoft Publisher. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> So where, where am I going with the network? I just, I got a landing page. Each it's just wrestling podcasts, man. I mean that you want to, I mean, there's, we're a niche. Every niche has a niche, has a niche. There's 77 D one college teams. There's a hundred D three teams. There's 50 D two teams. There's 50 NAIA teams. That's 300 something fan bases. You can talk to directly. Yeah. The, getting them to buy it is a little different, but you know, well, it's such an important lesson because you've niche so narrowly into this yet demonstrated how much more you have to go like all the colleges and divisions that you mentioned give you so many avenues and i guarantee you're still having conversations with people who have 
no idea like what what either what a podcast is or what the value of being on a podcast is or why it's important to have your own show or who you can reach with a podcast and it seems like you'll for at least the the short term be constantly educating people on why why this is important for them and how you can add value yeah, and I was really trying to figure out from a business standpoint, how, how can I make this work? And I, I replaced my income from uh, the previous job, which was nice. And thankfully, uh, my wife does pretty well. And that's one of the, I think the keys Dave says is that uh, people, successful podcasters usually have something else going for them. Well, thankfully, the, uh, the, the woman who occupies the desk behind me in my uh, downstairs office, uh, she was supportive of it. Obviously, she knows my, my passion on it. So, uh, you know, we were in a situation where I could take the risk. You know, I mean, the company I was working with prior uh, in between USA Wrestling and what I'm doing now, they basically stopped. You know, I was I was not getting paid. It was like, all right, you know, I liked what I did there. I was doing, you know, good work building their brand, but but I wasn't getting paid. I'm I'm in my 30s now. I'm married with a child. You know, I don't I don't do stuff for free, man. I mean, I do, but I don't not for a living. I can't give away this yeah. stuff this time. So uh, no, but that was really it, the difference. It's important that I, I'm I'm a firm believer of of people being compensated for their time, and even like when friends do some like development development work for me um, to help me like tweak some stuff on the website. I'm I always make it a point. I I just want to compensate people and demonstrate to people that their time is valuable, their skills are valuable, and they should be paid for what it is that they're experts at. Because at some point down the line, you know, I have some stuff that I. I'm offering a services, and if, if I feel like I want to be compensated, then well, I like I, I see this as just like a flow. Like you got to give into the system if you want to get back from it, and you want if you want to be compensated, then compensate people. And that's you know I do li- at least offer. Yeah, at least offer. Hey man, what do you want for that? Oh no, don't worry about yeah. it. No, no, no. I want to. You know, what's your PayPal? I don't worry about it. Yeah, you know, because I mean, there's there's been some people in podcasting that that I've you know talked with on on chats not so much blabs yet because uh we're, we're not there yet we're getting there not blab buddies but, you know, but like uh you know i want to say you know there's a guy that uh, up in canada kyron mountain who's in our podcasters group th- uh therapy session and he does a lot of a lot of audio editing and he does some good stuff and he sent me a template and says hey see if i've been playing around with this see if you can use this and it was an audition template and i'm like oh yeah so i was like what do you want for it and you know it was one of those things like i think i'm gonna end up giving this away i appreciate it but i was like you know, I've been using, modifying, tweaking his templates. Like Dave talked about the recipe thing when I was, you know, it's like, well, that's, that's it. And I've been tweaking things here and there that I like, and I keep my editing really simple. So, but somebody like that, that just, you know, you, you build a rapport with of over a couple hours in a, in a, in a Google hangout, you know, and I'm offering it, you know, it's like, you know, sometimes people are, Hey, what do you want for it? And I'll be like, nah, just don't worry about it. You know, at least the, the offer I think really goes a, lo- a longer way than the actual payment does. Yeah. At least it's showing some consideration for the effort they put in. The uh, when when did you start going after celebrities who had some connection with wrestling? That probably started at the end of last college wrestling season, so it would have been uh, 2014 if I'm getting my dates right. Yeah, so the college season ends in March of 14. I've got got no uh, you know no no events to cover, so I'm like, all right, and I started doing a couple, and I noticed that um, Sage Karam was uh, an 18 year old kid. And I was actually trying, I'd written a story on him for the magazine I was working for. And he was a high school kid at Nazareth high school in Pennsylvania in the, in the Lehigh Valley. And he was a high school senior and racing in the Indy 500. And he was wrestling. He was a high school wrestler and he, he was racing in the Indy 500 as a high school senior. Wow. So I'm like, okay, 
That's an interesting story because I'd already written the story and I wanted to get him on the podcast. This is, uh, I guess, two weeks after he raced and we were talking about the experience. He finished 10th that year. Uh, I think he got wrecked in the first lap this year and he was kind of very, very bitter about it, deservedly so. So here was one. And then I'm, I'm looking through and I, I see something that uh, Ariel, a woman named Ariel Ross Marino, she's just from Virginia and was a high school wrestler. She was Miss Virginia USA. And I'm like, that's a cool wrestling story. Wow. And then I'm, you know, I'm getting some people that are leaders in wrestling that are, you know, like a guy named Mike Novogratz is a, a big hedge fund guy on Wall Street. They wrestled at Princeton. Uh, you know, he's been involved in wrestling, so he wasn't like a new person. Then I, I started getting these ideas. I was like, okay. And I remember it was in January. It was, no, it was December last year. I was like, all right. I looked up. I was I, my my wife had never seen Vision Quest, which is like the wrestling movie. Yeah. I mean, it was the wrestling movie. It's terrible, but it's it's the greatest wrestling movie because it's the only wrestling movie until win win. And we're not even gonna talk about Foxcatcher. But so she had seen it. And I'm like, I wonder where this came out. And I go to Wikipedia. I was like, or IMDb or whatever it was. I'm like, 85. And this is like, you know, winter last year. And I'm like, 30, I got to do a 30 year anniversary thing. I got to do this. So then, you know, I got the author of the book, which who I had previously done an interview with and in 2008. And then I, I tracked down the guy who was, was shoot. And I also, you know, getting Matthew Modine, I had been trying to start poking at him on Twitter to see if he would be receptive. And then he finally answered one day as like, here, talk to this guy. And I was also trying to do this to let some, make sure that the comp- people in the competing space didn't notice that I was trying to get Matthew Modine. So I had to be like, all right, if I make it abundantly clear that I'm trying to get him on the show, somebody's going to try to get him before me. So, uh, you know, once I got Modine and then, uh, actor Nate Parker, who I, you know, him, I got, because I've known him, I covered him in high school. Mm-hmm. And then when you get one, you get two. And then, you know, getting the Mario Lopez thing took me five months, but being able to say I've had Nate Parker, I've had Brooks Whalen from Saturday night live. It's just, and you know what, one of the, and the Brooks Whelan thing is funny. Cause I knew he wrestled and his brother is a, it was a coach in Iowa and he had posted, yeah, my, check out wrestling guy, uh, Brooks Wheel on Saturday night live. And it's like, all right, cool. And I watched that season. I was like, Hey, there's the wrestling. There's Brooks. There's Brooks. And then his, his brother was following me on Twitter. I was like, Hey, what's the relation there? He goes, yeah, he's my little brother. I'm like, I'd love to get him on the show. And he's like, yeah. So we didn't go through his agent in that respect. It was like, Hey, here's his number. And I started texting him and get, I get that. So anytime that there's, I've got some wants and some of them are going to have to wait. Chris Pratt is, is, is a want. He wrestled. He was a state place winner nice. uh, in high school. Obviously, Neil deGrasse Tyson, tough guy to get a hold of. He wrestled at Harvard. Uh, you know, Tim Ferriss wrestled at Princeton. These are these are people that have genuine appeal outside of wrestling, and I think that's one thing that I can do with with my short time show that will appeal to more people uh, than, and it will also educate the wrestling community because some people. I mean, I was reading. Uh, I think I was using the Tim Ferriss's slow carb diet or whatever was in his book, and. I didn't realize it was Tim Ferriss and I, the guy who handed it to me was a wrestler in college. Didn't know that Tim Ferriss wrestled. So there's a lot of connections of people like, you know, listen is like, yeah, listen to, yeah, listen to Tim Ferriss. Like, you know, he wrestled. They're like, what really? You know, that's, that's the thing there. So he can play that advocacy role and uh, getting the celebs. It's just, it's not necessarily a cool factor because there's more, there's more signatures on my wall right now that I'm more impressed with than any actor. I mean, I'm sure it would be cool to sit down with Mario Lopez and have a beer and talk about Saved by the Bell. I sat down at my desk and had an interview and talked about Saved by the Bell. I could have been drinking a beer. He could have been drinking a beer. Who knows? But, uh, you know, there's, yeah, there's the cool factor. I don't get starstruck by it. And, but I'm, I'm more impressed with the people like, to me, the celebrities are the Jordan Burroughs. This is a guy you've never heard of, but he's a four-time world Olympic champion, the greatest wrestler on the planet right now. And the problem is, is he, he doesn't dribble a ball. He's not in the NBA, so nobody knows him. This guy is a phenomenal athlete. 
I, I, I love talking to Jordan Burroughs more than I would like talking to, to Matthew Modine or Mario Lopez, because to me, he's, he's an icon of sport. And if, if little things like that can get our sport more mainstream, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of preaching the advocacy role right now, but, uh, it's, well, I think it's, it's cool. yeah, I think it's important. I think one of the things you alluded to on Dave's show was the fact that those people think I'm going to have the celebrity on and it's going to, you know, boost my ratings incredibly. And those aren't the most popular shows. I think you've said. No, actually, a matter of fact, I'll pull up another screen here while we can do some creative editing as we I'll, I'll actually share some st- statisticals with you. <laughs> and I'm not trying to brag when I say this, because I don't I don't honestly I don't really ask what other people get for shows. I know what the Libsyn average is, but, you know, sometimes my shows are, are crazy because I actually moved over fully this show to Libsyn in January. So I'm coming up on one year. So when we look at the stats in one year. My biggest downloaded show is one I did last October, and I'm actually going to interview these people again tonight, or at, at the Monday that we record this, and that's for an, an a event that they have on the 1st of November, October 31st, 1st of November. They embedded it on the front page of their website. It was not autoplay. I want to clarify that. Not autoplay. That episode has 33,254 downloads. Nice. That, just on this side of things. When it was still hosting with the other company, I think it had, I mean, that, that episode's probably got 80,000 downloads. And that's just two high school people in North Carolina. A lot of that's, listen, folks, if you're interviewing people, get them to embed your show or vice versa. Because uh, that's one thing. Like Kale Sanderson, head coach of Penn State, has got 5,000 downloads. That was from February. Uh, the Vision Quest series, part two, uh, with the guy who played Shoot, not with Modine, has 4,000 plus downloads. Cleveland State cuts their wrestling program last year. I get their athletic director on the horn, and I basically go after him with some – I basically kind of light him up with with facts and stats. That thing, uh, 4,100 downloads, and now they still they, – they kept their wrestling program. I don't know how much of a role I had nice. in that, but, but getting that, that you know, you know, Modine, 3,600. So I'm getting – you know, those, those are pretty good numbers. Mario Lopez is creeping towards 2,000, and that was about a month and a half ago. So uh, I think those are good numbers. I mean, I'm looking at – I mean, I'm probably getting 500 a day across that particular show. When I, you know, the the, the power programs, the Iowa, the Penn States, the Minnesotas, they're going to get the traffic because their fan base eats up everything. But, you know, when, when somebody discovers a new story about a guy from Sacred Heart who I just interviewed and they're like, oh, I didn't know about that. I think my job is done. Yeah. I've, I've educated somebody on something they didn't know about before. And it just speaks to who the audience is and how well you know the audience and the fact that you can bring this wide range of guests on that you color sometimes with celebrities, but more importantly, you bring on people that are important in the space and those actually end up having the bigger downloads means that you have a clear idea of, you know, avatar, if you want to use that word, but just who your audience is. And you always have that. I imagine in the back of your mind, like who, who are the guests that are going to provide the most value for my audience? Um, and you think about that as you grow the show. Well, there's that there's two, and there's also additional validity in terms of, you know, I'm fighting with the WWE right now. Um, not necessarily fighting, but uh, you know, people are like, wait a minute, you're the Olympic wrestling. Yeah, but there's a lot of guys that went from college into that side of things, and of course, their names change. But uh, there's a guy, Chaz Betts, who was an Olympian on the Greco-Roman team in 2012 uh, from Minnesota. I've known him since high school. Uh, since he was in high school, I covered him uh, when he was a athlete in the junior nationals and things like that. And now he's now Chad Gable in uh, the WWE's NXT, which is based out of Florida kind of like their developmental talent type of thing. And I want Chaz on the, on my Minnesota guillotine show and I have to go through their PR 
And it's just like, I'm not getting emails back. I'm not getting emails. Texts aren't being responded to. So I'm fighting with them a lot. So uh, when I get guests like that, if I can kind of tell the WWE or somebody or, or some big time agency is like, look, I've had Mar- Mario Lopez. I've had Matthew Modine. I've had Sage Karam. I've had Mike Golick. I've had, the, I've had these people on my show. I'm not some flash in the pan fly by night fanboy. So not that there's anything wrong with being a fanboy. Let me get that, that, that about abundantly. Cause I'm trying to do this as a, you know, journalistically and entertainment wise. I mean, I'm also not a Jim Rome either. I'm not going to like, you know, you know, call Jim Everett, Chris Everett and have him throw a table. You throw me through a table. So, but it's, you know, when you get guests like that, it, it, people look at you, I think a little bit different. Like, wow, how did Brian get that person on the show? And that to me brings a little bit more professionalism and a little more uh, mainstreaming of it to me a little bit. And it's, I, I love getting those guests, even though I know that they're not necessarily going to be, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed sometimes when I don't get the big numbers on a Matthew Modine that, you know, when I say big numbers, I'm expecting big numbers. When I say big numbers, I'm, I'm expecting maybe I'd like to get a, you know, Mario Lopez retweeted it. He has almost a million followers. Well, not a million people didn't see that tweet. And a million people didn't click that link. I can tell you that because he's only got 2000 downloads in about a month and a half, but, to a lot of people, I mean, two thousand dollars is a really good number. That's a good show. That's a really good. Yeah, that's episode. a really good. Those are really good numbers. That's definitely something to be proud and of. I'm, I'm freaking college wrestling. Man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, and I think here's what, the thing. What, oh, sorry, here, but I want to say, like, I'm doing. The, you know, when I'm on your show, I'm on Dave's show. I've done, uh, you know, you know, with Fred Castaneda, I've done a couple of things. I know I'm not, I'm not going on your show to get more listeners to my show, because there's not, this is not a crossover type of audience. I mean, there's always going to be entrepreneurs in the podcast space who are going to listen to other entrepreneur shows and say, Hey, yeah, come over to my show. It, by chance, I, I think Bill Conrad's the only guy I've, I've had, I've met that has any type of wrestling experience because his son wrestled at the Coast Guard Academy. That's like the one guy that found my show through these things. So, uh, I'm not doing all these interviews to get more people to listen to wrestling. If you, if you have an interest in wrestling by sure, all means, I know a show that you might be interested in, or if you've got a, a brother or a sister or a mom or an uncle, that's kind of maybe hopefully they'll get it. But I, I'm not doing this stuff for word of mouth. I just like hearing myself talk. No <laughs> way. <laughs> the truth comes out. No, I think it's, it, you never, you, you'd be surprised at the connections that somehow happened because someone happened to hear you on the show and, and they have some friend or relative that was into wrestling or maybe someone that'll be a good guest on a show or maybe even someone that knows some of these through a connection, these celebrities that you're trying to get on. So yeah, if you know a good, well, Tim Ferriss, I've already, I've actually got a good, a uh, good line of dialogue with like his PR person and Tim, you know, Tim's a guy that doesn't do anything unless it's a, a quote, hell yes. So he's going to be tough to get. I know he's busy. Chris Pratt's filming through like the end of the Mayan calendar or whatever. And you know, Neil deGrasse Tyson, if anybody's got a contact for Neil, I really want to get him on the show because trying to go through the, the conservatory and whatever yeah. the astrophysicist place is, it's like, it's kind of tough. So if anybody's got a tip or if you know somebody that wrestled, that would be remember, remember high school, college, Olympic level wrestling, not the, he's got a chair. Oh my God. Type of wrestling, which I still kind of watch, but uh, you got to, Hey, send me a note, man. I, I'm looking all sorts. Of, I'm looking for stories. I mean, that's another thing too. I like to, I like for other people to tell stories. Hey, no harm in putting it out there. So you've obviously got a gift for, um, interviewing for, for broadcasting, for being on the radio, for being a personality. Um, what would you say is your differentiating skill when it comes to interviewing guests? With a lot of the guys now is this is very different from a journalistic standpoint, because 
I'm in a sport where a lot of these people become your friends and it's a very small media community. Um, I, I always, I often joke that I've met most everybody in wrestling at the bison turf, which is a bar in Fargo, North Dakota, because there's a big giant tournament out there for eight days every July. And I've been going for 17 years. So that's, it's a fairly true statement, but you, I've met people and you get, you know, they just, you just talk wrestling, you recognize them, they recognize you and you, you generate a conversation and you remember people, you, you build up a rapport. So with a kid like uh, a kid now, he's like 26 now, but a guy like David Taylor, who I just did an interview with uh, last month, that's gotten good numbers. I, on a throwback Thursday, I posted on a Twitter, the screenshot of the video I did. I did an interview with him his freshman year in high school. He was about maybe a hundred pounds and he was wrestling at this monster tournament in Delaware. And I've known that was 10 years ago. I've known that guy 10 years. I've interviewed him multiple times throughout his career. And when they, when you get to know these people, when you see them in high school and they see you and then they get in college and they're more comfortable and then they're on the senior level or they're into coaching, you know, I'm 36 now. Most of the coaches, when I started in this, in the sport, were in their forties and fifties. And a lot of them have retired and moved on now. It's, it's my, my contemporaries that are, they're, they're people that I went to college with at the same time that have families and we're adults now together. And we came up, you know, we were, we were hard charging in our twenties and now we're, we're grown up. So I think knowing people beyond what the, what's in the box score or what's in a press release really, really helps because you can always throw an inside joke to kind of lighten, lighten the mood of something that, you know, my, my rules off the record. If I'm having a beer, I'm off the record. There's, you know, that's a fine line because there's, we can get into some, we can get, everybody can get in some fun when there, when there's a beer or two to be had. So uh, I've, I've been around some things like, Hey, Brian, you're not gonna write about this. Are you? I'm like, dude, come on. I'm, I'm right there. What am I going to sell myself out? So honestly, that's, that's part of the trust and just, you know, building that rapport, you sit down, you talk wrestling and people meet, you meet people for who they are. And I think that's what really makes mine different is I don't come off fake. I'm not going to sit there and be like, well, tell me about that match. I'm going to say, well, in this match, so what was I'll, I'll I'll be generally interested in about that match versus just tell me about that match. Or, you know, I'm I'm not gonna read a press release and ask questions off a press release. I'm I'm gonna use probably a, maybe as a guide for certain things, but I'm gonna dig deeper with Mario Lopez. I listened to like three different interviews that he did, and I was like, okay, what am I? And this is rare that I do this, but with somebody like that, I didn't want to ask the same question that he'd been asked a hundred times. So yes, I asked the say by the bell questions. I didn't ask any dancing with the stars questions. I, I didn't ask very much extra questions or Pacific blue. I'm sure he's trying to forget that, but I wanted to ask questions that, that I was interested in. And I know my fan base would be interested in that weren't the same questions over and over. So uh, there's research. And then that, that person, personability factor, I can probably call up uh, most of these kids. It's weird. Cause uh, you know, I'm following people on Twitter and it's like, okay, I'm not trying to be like stalking or anything, but I'm a journalist and they're athletes and they've got Twitter accounts. They expect to get followed. So I'll send somebody a DM. Hey man, you want to be on the show? They're like, yeah, yeah. Remember that time I interviewed you by back in the day, you know, you, you, you've got that relationship that really, really helps, really helps. And it comes across and the listener can hear it. They can hear the genuine conversation. The fact that, yeah, these, these, these people, while they may not be buddy buddy, there's a certain uh, intimacy with this conversation, and it comes across as genuine. And it's just nothing more awkward than hearing a conversation where it sounds like, <clears throat> excuse me, these uh, these people don't know each other. <laughs> well, I actually had one of those the other day that was kind of tough. I mean, sometimes you get kids that a lot of the people I'm talking to have done interviews before, so it's a little easier. 
for them to be comfortable with that, with a question on the other side of a Skype or something like that. But uh, there's a kid on the division three show that I do. And he, he'd obviously never been uh, been interviewed and his, his record's not very good. So there wasn't really a whole lot for him to ever have been interviewed about. And it was a little tough and I tried to draw it out of him a little bit. And, you know, it was maybe a five minute segment. I was interviewing three wrestlers back to back to back. And, you know, the next time I talk to that kid, he's gonna be a little more comfortable. And it was, it was kind of tough to push through it, but you know, he's learned something from it. I've learned something from it. Next time I have to ask this kid questions, I, I know how to shape the question differently. So and the coach, you know, gave me some heads up, like this kid might be a little tough to talk to. And, you know, that's fine. And we, we made it work. So sometimes you, you, sometimes you can't avoid a stiff interview. It's just impossible. You not no, you're never going to have a hundred percent of interviews go perfect either. Well, um, I, I, I may be a bit, uh, partial here, but I think this interview is a hundred percent perfect right now between you and I, even after <laughs> that, like flub that I had or whatever, or the, uh, no, I think what's, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is because we, we've, obviously seeing each other online and engage online. I think it was that blab session that sort of sealed it for me where we had international podcast day and we were all, we can tell just like who are the hardcore geeks about podcasting, anything related to podcasting, give me more podcasting. And we were just watching all our peers in the space and just engaging and making you know comments on. And I think you were, it was late for you because my session didn't come on until 9 PM West coast. I was on that blab <laughs> 16 hours that day. And it wasn't just because I was sponsoring it either. Yeah. I mean, I was a bronze level sponsor, but again, that's kind of what I was saying. I'm not, I didn't do that for people to just like, I just, Hey, I enjoy what you guys do. Here's some, you know, if I can do that, I can do that. But yeah, that podcast day thing was awesome. Yeah. So I think so I, I interrupted your story. No, so I just think, I think it's, a, it speaks to tell me more about me again. No <laughs> people who are people who are passionate, who have a sense of humor, who don't take themselves too seriously and who I can have on the show and we can just relate and, we can talk podcasting, we can talk wrestling, we can talk celebrities, we can talk blab, but we could, I think more importantly, we can talk about why we enjoy this medium so much, why we're passionate about it and why we don't see ourselves not doing this, you know, and, and being involved in this space for a long time to come. Yeah. And I, I like this medium because it, it gives, you know, we talked about the niches. It gives those four college teams that I have a voice. It gives the the wrestling hall of fame a voice. It gives a couple of these coaching outlets a voice. I mean, uh, and I have my own voice. I mean, I'm, short time is my flagship show of the 12 that I do uh, distribute 14 of that. So, uh, you know, again, if you're listening to 12 of my shows, I'll bless you, but uh, you know, you give that voice and I'm not walking around anymore going, yeah, I'm, I'm the best. you know, I do a little bit of marketing, like consistently the top rated wrestling podcast on iTunes. I mean, as I have to say consistently, cause one day somebody's going to pop up ahead of you. And like, oh, we're number one now, or we're, we're ahead of you now, and tomorrow you'll drop off. But so I'm saying consistently, uh, you know, you got to pump yourself up a little bit with with marketing and all that. But uh, I, I've I've found the fact, yeah, I got a show, and yeah, I've got a short, I got the short, I got you know, short time wrestling podcast. I'm a Matt Talk Online. It's I don't you'd be like, yeah, I've got the hey, yeah, you need to come on the number one wrestling podcast. You know, no, it's just I just I like what I'm doing because I'm comfortable with the format. Uh, everybody that you meet, and the thing is, it's about that, that community thing. Everybody that I've met in podcasting for the most part, I mean, everybody's got their outliers. Uh, every community's got their outliers, their drunken uncle, uh, <laughs> you know, but I, I enjoy talking podcasting. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoy, I'm on blab. Like, and there's ever, you know, Hani Moore has been on how many blabs about his new simple live press. And I'm in like everyone going, I don't know how I'm going to use this thing yet, but I just like hearing what Hani's got to say about things like this. And it's like, I just, you know, when Daniel's on something, I'll consume it. When Ray or Dave do something, I'm on it. When I, when I see like 
the rare times podcast junkie shows up. Like I got a, I got a notification from blabs like podcast junkies just joined. I was like, Oh, let's see what they're doing. You know, it's kind of, kind of stalkerish, creepy, but um, maybe not for you specifically. Nah, that's cool. But uh, yeah. Cause uh, you know, even though your hair is just, it's dreamy, you're really not my type, but, uh, but just this whole community, it, it's gives me an outlet and you know what? It's, it's nice to be compensated for your passion too. Yeah. I'm, I'm just always surprised um by the quality of the folks that are in the space um how they're all giving and accommodating friendly we all want to help each other and i don't see that changing in the, in the short time any anytime soon and i'm just really happy to be a part of it and um, i'm really happy i got a chance to finally get you on the show yeah and i actually want to throw a couple of your old guests a bone here because uh I was thinking about it. I was like, which episodes of podcast junkies have I really enjoyed? I'm sitting there going through them and a couple of these people I hadn't met or I've, I've met briefly, but like, obviously Daniel J. Lewis was the first one that I, I discovered your show on back in June of 14. And it's like, then, you know, Nick Suberling was on recently. Uh, you've got to know Nick, uh, not like super well, but we've been in buddies since like April. And, you know, I'm on my short time is on his SPNT network. Uh, so my, my flagship show is on his, his network. Uh, reached out to him earlier. Uh, you know, obviously Jen, sh- Jen show. And then uh, who doesn't like the real Brian? I mean, come on, that guy's just, you know, let's rock it. I, I just want to have, I don't have a catchphrase. I mean, he's got that. I mean, the closest thing I've got is like the clothes on, on the clamor cast where I just go clamor on Dave. That's, that's the only thing I, it's not even my show. when I get, to, I, you could do something related to wrestling. Like uh, what's, what's the countdown before you get pinned or something like that. I don't know. I'm just, but in college it's, it, there's not a one, two, three. Uh, there's not. Okay. It's the pro stuff. Okay. But uh, like Kim Trumbo's show, I, I had briefly, or that episode with her, I, I might've said hello to her at NMX, but I remember other people were talking to her cause she had been around and I was like, okay, I remember seeing her at NMX and then she popped up on, on the show and I enjoyed that one. Uh, Vernon Ross, I met on the Metro at uh, podcast Midwest on the way in. I mean, obviously anything with Ray and you know, when Rob Walsh talks stats, it's like geek out time. So uh, those are, those are, who, who have I not mentioned? No, those are, those are pretty much, uh, that's, that's the, the shows I've really enjoyed mainly again, because what we were talking about earlier, it's like, those are the people I've met and had an opportunity to, and there's other shows that I've listened to that I've enjoyed. I just haven't met those people yet. So when I, you know, when I hear when I meet, meet a Chris Arone, I'll be like, Oh, okay. Uh, I met Lou Mangiello. Didn't have a chance. I mean, that's, that's one of those ones that it's flagged to listen to, but with a hundred shows, I've got to yeah, it's hard. figure it out. And, and podcast junkies is, is, is one time, one X speed. It's not, uh, I'm not going two X on podcast. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm honored to hear that. Well, Jason, I, thanks for the, uh, the various rabbit holes we, we went down today. I, I really appreciate it. I think they're more like gopher tunnels because they're, they're intertwined. Your po- head pops up over here. Your head pops over here. We're talking about beer over here and then yeah. wrestling. And then I didn't even mention roller derby, which is rare, but uh, I just did. All right. Okay. We got that in. So uh, uh, that's just one more keyword I'll be able to add to this episode. Roller derby. <laughs> and Dave Lee will be all over that. So uh, where's the best place for folks to track you down? Uh, the local neighborhood. Uh, oh, sorry. No. Uh, best place to track me down is at matttalkonline.com. That is the landing page for my entire network. My flagship shows, the short time wrestling podcast, uh, Twitter. I was, I'm actually fairly prolific on Twitter. Uh, Jason M Bryant, because Jason Bryant was taken and I actually follow that one, but, uh, Jason M Bryant on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. You can just find me, uh, Jason Bryant there and anything you'll see the, uh, the Matt talk logos and stuff. Matt talk online is on Facebook and Twitter, but I got a feeling a lot of the podcast junkie listeners aren't really as interested in the wrestling part of it. So I'll just hand more of it at the uh, at Jason M. Bryant on Twitter. 
So I think one of the things that you can take away from this interview is just how methodical Jason is about his network and his approach to podcasting. And just the very fact that he's a host on several of the shows on his network makes me realize that he understands what an asset he is, his voice is, his expertise, his professionalism, his years of experience, all that is the suite of things that he brings when he approaches schools, when he realizes that there's an untapped market out there. And he goes after him because he knows very well that he can put on a quality show and have them realize that it's an asset to have a podcast as part of their program. So kudos to him. I wish him nothing but the best. Please check out Matt Talk Online. I'm very happy I got a chance to spend some time with him here on this interview. He's always so fun when we run into each other um, on these online groups on a, on a Blab or on a Google Hangout. And he just always makes me laugh with his comments. And I just knew from the moment we engaged online that he was something I, someone I wanted to have a conversation with. And I'm looking forward to actually continuing that in person. So we have podcast movement coming up in uh, July in Chicago. So it's never too early to get tickets for that. So make sure you do, you do that as well. Don't forget that we are now a member of the Podcastica Network. And as a reminder, the shows on there are The Walking Dead cast, Evil Dead cast, Under the Comic Covers, the Sci-Fi Movie Podcast, Once Upon a Podcast, and Game of Microphones, which I think personally is an amazing name for a podcast about Game of Thrones. So a recent episode of Once Upon a Podcast, episode 82, uh, talks about uh, Broken Kingdom. And so the ladies talk about their thoughts, and they want to know what you think about King Arthur. Is he the ultimate villain in the season or not? And what about the whole Guinevere-Lancelot love triangle? Those are important questions that Brittany and Amanda are asking, and they debate those points on the show. And if you're a fan of Once Upon a Podcast, then I highly recommend you check that out. Thanks again to our musical production guru, Cedar and Soil. You can find his music at cedarsoil.com. So I hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget, you can always find our super detailed show notes. And we put a lot of work into them. We give you a summary of the show, timestamps, so you can jump around uh, to points made during the conversation. And the reason I bring that up is actually the new Overcast app, Marco Arment's app is now free. They used to charge for it, but you can get it for free. And one of the really cool things that I noticed is that because we have timestamps in our show notes, I see those as markers in Overcast. So that's really cool. And it allows you to click through um, specific points if you want to jump around in the episode. So check that out if, if you haven't done so already. He's got a a sponsorship or a donation button inside the actual app. So if you do like it, then definitely support that. I think it's a fantastic app and it's my podcatcher of choice. Um, don't forget that the retention hashtag for this episode, since it's about uh, wrestling, uh, we'll call it hashtag Jason321. So J-A-S-O-N 321, hashtag Jason321. And let me know that you've made it this far. Because you're cool, because you're awesome, I'm going to give you a virtual high five through this microphone. And don't forget, tell your friends about the show. 
join the conversation. We've had some really fun back and forths on Twitter, on Instagram, and on our Facebook page. And if you haven't done so already, I sound like a broken record, but thanks uh, for supporting us through the subscription, which is actually the most important thing for an iTunes podcast, is first the subscription. So if you go there and all you do is subscribe, then that's awesome. And then after that, if you if you feel so compelled to write a review and a rating uh, of five stars or less, depending on how you're feeling that day, then I'd be much obliged. Thanks again for everything you do. The listenership is growing. The fans are, go- are growing. The comments are growing. And uh, I appreciate all of you who have been there since the beginning. And I appreciate the new fans that are coming on board and the new listeners. So thanks again. Have a fantastic weekend, guys. And tune in next week when I talk to Christina Cantors of the C Method. That's another engaging, fun conversation. We laughed a lot during that as well. So stay tuned for that episode 62. Take care.